0: What the hell is the name of this thing? The
1: Ballsy Podcast. Hosted
0: by the award-winning Evan
1: Grant. This is my baby, yeah, I mean, and these two were just a long, riding my carpet, my carpet table. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. Do you it, know what
2: my attention? is? When's the last that time
0: that anybody has ever asked you no a question? No one's ever
2: asked me a question, I'm Barry!
1: Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Evan Grant is the guy looking around, wanting to know
1: because, why he didn't get to do the introduction. Because you, we
2: just had an Alex Haig moment, Alexander Haig moment.
1: That's true. Well, I well, let's, let's face facts. It is my podcast. <laughs> oh, <YouTube>. no. <laughs> Kevin, As I'm voting for you. Yeah,
0: me too. And joining us today is a guy who is, uh, word has it, Tim Callishaw's source at the star, David Moore.
3: I'm not sure you're appealing to your demographic with Alexander Haig references.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay. I, was, I called him that Alex Haig. That was that the- <laughs> <laughs>
3: That
0: hits our demographic. No, no, right. listen, we've got movies about the post now. We've got a lot of things happening from that era. Seventies <laughs> are okay.
1: back in, baby. Yeah, that's right. The seventies um, are back uh, in. Per- People well, are going to the... I p- got
3: tied up last night. I got tied up last night, but and I only watched the first half. I don't want to congratulate Evan on Georgia's national championship.
1: <laughs> that's good, David. That's a good one.
3: Well, David, I think that's there's really an, inter- an inter-
2: interesting headline in today's Dallas Morning News. It says, new role for more isn't the fix local fans have been looking for. Are you moving and off the Cowboys?
3: specifically to me. Are, yeah. are you moving off the Cowboys? <laughs> it's... Uh, Actually, there was at one point this year where they released DeMontre Moore and then they released Kellen Moore a few days later. <laughs> I was waiting for the other shoe to drop, but for some reason it did not come.
0: Yeah, that would have been good. So so uh, our old pal Tim Calshaw writes that he's just been pounding on poor Jason Garrett uh, and, the, and the coaching staff yeah. there, and now he's picking on little Kellen Moore. I mean, come on, back off. He may be the greatest quarterback coach in the history of the game. You really believe that? Who
3: never played. Yeah, who, yeah. It's uh, well, well. I, I think you can certainly say that there's a an affinity or a link to be drawn from a backup quarterback as the head coach to the potential uh, quarterback coach, and th- this isn't done yet. My understanding is there are several options here, despite what Tim says.
0: Um, <laughs> hey, listen, he's got a source. He's he's quoted a source. <laughs>
3: So I'm I'm not questioning the veracity of Tim's source. Of course, I guess we are questioning whether he has one. But anyway. <laughs> cool. um, no, I think that he's in the room. They're going to talk to him later this week. Uh, and, look, I know a lot of fans uh, will say, "Why? what in the world are you doing? He doesn't have experience. But if you go back, you listen to last year, I know a lot of people tried to, again, they gave, um, you know, how much was Tony really helping uh, Dak Prescott and, and Mark Sanchez was given a lot of credit for what he did, but he talked his back during his rookie season and he had the, his praise was the most effusive over Kellen Moore and how Kellen Moore helped him understand each week's game plan, uh, helped him see the defense. And Tony Romo has also spoken before uh, about what a keen mind Kellen Moore has. So, These are guys who deal with them on a a day-to-day basis. So I would certainly defer to their judgment over how it looks from a perception standpoint on the outside. But I do understand the perception of why do you just keep going, you know, why do you keep doing this sort of thing. But I think you're going to see here, I know a lot of people will argue, well, look, you know, you want some new blood on the coaching staff. You want some coaches who see things a different way. Uh, You want them to bring in another expertise into the system and kind of make a more creative system. Uh, Why are you just doubling down? Well, look at everything Jason Garrett has ever done. Anytime he gets back into a corner or, or whenever things are tough, he always doubles down because he has faith in his system and he believes that's what works, and he believes if you deviate from that, then... Uh, you're going to corrupt the core, your core beliefs, and and then the whole thing is going to fall apart. What so, is he a semiconductor? I mean, this is very consistent. Oh, oh, this oh. Is very consistent with Jason Garrett.
0: Yeah, it, it is, and and you're right, and this is who he is, and I, and I have to say this. I, I, listen, I don't know if Kellen Moore is going to be a good assistant coach, or not. I'm not going to, you know, uh, the the league is filled, sports is filled with uh, coaches and managers who were nothing as players. You know, some of, some of who never even played. It has no, Mike this Leach didn't has no, even play college football. This
1: has nothing to do with playing experience. No. Because my question here goes to what the interview process was, who was contacted. And it, it, I, I think it's endemic of, of too many coaches around pro sports is they end up going with somebody that they're comfortable with. And you win by stepping out of your area of comfort. Yeah, I I
0: don't have a – look, 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 the example I was going to give is that we just talked about it on the other podcast. Who is one of Jason Garrett's idols? I mean, he he loves Nick Saban. Saban. Coach Saban.
1: Who would – as a coach, who wouldn't love Nick Saban?
0: No, no, I know that, but this is one of his guys. We just talked about how many coaches would have changed quarterbacks after the half of the national championship game or let's just say a Super Bowl. Well, Nick Saban did and right. would. Jason Garrett would not. Well, uh, whoa, well, well, Jason Garrett if, would never do
2: that. Okay, you listen, to Nick Saban. I think it's Nick Saban. Period. Let's move on. Yeah, and there's not. There's probably no other coach. That there there probably that. isn't. But what I'm
0: saying is that that Jason Garrett is on the complete other end of that spectrum. He is a guy that, that that And to me, that's that's the problem I have with Jason Garrett. It's is not he's what he going does. To
1: take, he's always going to go for the safest route.
0: Well, he's just going to go with. Because we, we're going to stick with who we are. This is who we are, what we are. That whole that when he made that ridiculous, we play sixty minutes, and that's why we didn't take you know Dak out of the game, which is ridiculous. So then, what about at the end of the season? If you'd had a game to give here, you would have taken him out. So what happened to the oh, "we play sixty minutes" thing? It's it's a it's a stupid argument to make. But to me, that's that's my problem with Jason Garrett. Is is that. Uh, in your philosophy and the things you want to do, uh, I, I don't have a I don't have a big problem with all that. I do think it's important to have a staff where you get along. I remember what happened in, on the Rangers staff in the in the spring training when the nutso pitching coach
1: basically challenged the manager. Uh, we have uh, names, Oscar, names, Acosta, names, Oscar names. Acosta. Oscar Acosta. Uh, Oscar Acosta was basically an open rebellion of, uh, against Jerry Niren. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you, you don't you don't need anything like that either.
0: But uh, but my, my problem with Jason is that if, if there is anybody on that staff, if there is anybody who's going to challenge him and say, hey, do, do you think if Scott Lanahan went to him and said, I think we need to make this change, do you think he would do that? Uh,
3: it, it, the thing about Jason is, and, and, you know, Evan, I think you mentioned him taking always the safe route. To me, it's not so much that he takes the safe route, but – because of his preparation and his personality and his insistence on a cool, analytical look and relying on what he does leading into a game, he allows that to completely squash his feel or instinct once he's in a game. Right. So I don't think he trusts his... I don't know if it's not whether he trusts his instinct or feel during a game, or if it's so buried beneath the preparation that he won't allow it to come out. But... Uh, I think he consistently you know, responds well after the fact when he should in games, and I think that's probably his greatest weakness as a coach. Now, if, if the coordinator's coming in and lobbying to make a change, I think he gives a lot of weight to that because he does let the coordinator call the plays. Uh, now, look, they collaborate on that and, and the overall scheme going in, but, but whether or not you make a change at quarterback – uh, is going to be on the head coach. My belief would be, uh, if you want to play out this hypothetical, uh, Scott Linehan would come to him at the half and say, look, we need to make a quarterback change uh, to start the third quarter like he did in the national championship game last night. I believe Jason Garrett's first reaction would be, okay, Let's give him another series or two and see how this plays out, and then let's talk about it.
2: But this is not uh, really this is not really a good analogy because backup quarterbacks in college are
3: different than backup quarterbacks.
2: in the I, don't,
0: I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I would have I, said that Norman I would have said that
3: cha- in a national championship game. You started a kid stu- who stu- never, who play. Who barely even played
1: Lo- during the season. Right, but, but that was that was. I think I think, what Barry, I think what Barry is saying here is that the raw talent level of a college freshman quarterback. Compared to a guy who's basically you, been a career-long NFL backup, there's a difference in talent level here, David. The, the, but the one thing I want to hit on the calendar well, more, more thing. I'm and glad
3: you can speak for Barry, e- Evan. Even can, you can you come home with me today? Can
1: you come home with me today to talk to Mrs. Horn about no, this, several
3: things I
2: wanted? I've no, been this
1: only works when it's us in the room. If if the wives get involved, and we're all going to be wrong. So, um, and they will interpret interpret it differently. But David, I just want to ask you a question here on the on the more thing as far as you know like did the cow have the cowboys talked to anybody outside have they have they looked at other points of view or or interviewed outside?
3: I believe they feel that it's most important to have everyone on the same page and they want people who have a feel for this system and understand the nuances of this system and grow it from within rather than bring someone in from without and allow them to crack it and now, now the other thing on this too is, you have your head coach, you have your offensive coordinator. How much influence is a quarterback's coach going to have on how you structure your offense?
1: Sure. It's going sure. to be
3: minimal. Right. Well, that, that's going to be the smallest voice of all. So I think they are looking more for people who have an understanding of their scheme and how it's evolved versus. And look, I, I think, you know, they, they've, they've worked with Kellen. It, it, it's very clear internally. The opinion and, and estimation and, and value they place on Kellen Moore is certainly much greater than people outside the organization placed on him. We've seen that right. uh, as a player, and now we're seeing it with this poten- potential transition um, to being a, 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 a quarterback coach. But, but I was I was told yesterday that look, uh, we are talking to some other people here. We're going to talk to him later in the week. Uh, let's just see how this plays out. But he's one of the options. Uh, I certainly the other options other than him are from outside of the organization. Okay. But I don't know, one, I don't know who they are. I haven't been able to pinpoint exactly. And two, whoever they are, uh, they're not going to be like a West coast scheme. Right. Uh, and saying, look, this is what you need to incorporate into your timing offense here.
1: Well, that was the other thing. I mean, you've talked, you have talked and, and Jason has talked about the scheme and understanding the system and what the Cowboys do. And, uh, Listen. In the middle of the game last night, I tweet. I I tweeted to the world, "Like, can somebody explain this to me? Because I am a football neophyte when it comes to understanding strategy." But is the Cowboys' offense that complex? It doesn't seem that way to me.
3: No, I would say I would argue it's the opposite of complex. Right. If anything, if anything, it is like, look, you get quality players in place, strip down uh, the system as much as you can, and make it simple. As simple as you can without being simplistic, if that makes sense. Right. Because you want an athlete's ability to come through. We don't want him thinking about what he needs to do. We want him using his athletic ability. So it is not a complicated offense, but it is it's certainly not a West Coast scheme. And you have, uh, you know, you have different reads, you have different mileposts, you have different uh, cues that you look at defensively on how you react from an offensive standpoint. And you do have like a zone blocking scheme up front, which is different than what a lot of other teams use. So it's it's look it, this scheme has evolved and it's it's taken elements uh, that that Jason Garrett is comfortable with and incorporated into this offense. and And I think you're going to see the offense be a little bit different next year as well. But you know, Jason Garrett makes a point that uh, and, and you can tell this is what he wants to get back to, and this is really what they were last year when they were 13 and three. Um, you know, he, he'll he point back to the Super Bowl teams and the Giants would often deride the Cowboys by saying uh, that they would go to the Pro Bowl and they'll be talking to the Giants or Eagles or other Pro Bowl players in the division and go, well, look, we knew exactly what you were running. You guys only run three or four plays on offense. And, you know, the Cowboys response would be exactly, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, you knew what Emmitt Smith was going to do. And, right. and, Jason is from that school. He wants to do that as well. The difference is, in the pre-cap era, uh, you could acquire talent and maybe overpower teams the way you can't now. And if your scheme's not working, you have to scheme Des Bryant open. You have to scheme Cole Beasley open. You can't just say, look, keep doing what you're doing and do it better.
2: At the risk of raising the ire of Evan Grant, I'm going to try and change the subject here. Oh, my God. Well, no, I, I, you mentioned Des Bryant. What's his future with this team?
1: We, we beat this to death last week well, with I him. F-
2: I forgot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we
2: did
0: beat this to death last I'd week. I'd like to know right now,
2: another week has gone by, what's his future with the team? Evan, it's quiet.
1: Breaking. Barry acknowledges the dementia. Yeah. <laughs>
3: This, this is, to me, their their primary offensive question in the offseason. Um, I think it's probably going to work out where he's still here, but I don't think that's a certain. Uh, I believe based on where he is and what they need to do uh, cap-wise and, and offensively to supplement this team, they will go to him and ask him to take a pay cut. Um, he's not going to like that, and they also have to find a number – That they can cut him to that would still be comparable or slightly above what he could make if they just outright release him. You know, it's not a matter of saying, look, we're going to cut you in half like you did with Doug Free or Brandon Carr and these guys, or we're going to let you go. Because if you cut his base salary in half, then he's going to say, well, fine, I'll hit the open market. And with a signing bonus and a two year deal, I'm going to make more in guaranteed money than what you're going to pay me this next year. So why would I do that? So it's about finding that number without kicking him off to the standpoint that uh, you really don't want him around because he is so unhappy with what you've done. And and I think that's going to be very delicate, and it's going to take it's going to take a lot of work behind the scenes uh, because we've seen that that Dez is is very temperamental and and flies off the handle and takes things personally rather than a business standpoint and i think this is going to be a very delicate negotiation to reduce his salary yet keep him involved and in feeling he's respected the way he needs to be going into next season it, it's a very difficult balancing act on this one
1: Barry, does that all refresh you, or are you still playing words with
2: friends? Kevin, every week we get thousands, tens of thousands of new <laughs> listeners. I wanted them. tens of that. I like that. Good
1: tens of. Th- <laughs> I will also. I will also reiterate something that both Barry, not Barry, that Kevin, David, and I all said last week, which is the the other part of the Des Bryant equation is. There's nobody here ready to step into a number one role.
0: There's not. But, and but, they, I,
1: I don't see them drafting a number one wide receiver this
0: year.
2: Well,
1: you don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what they're going to draft. We don't know what they're going to bring. But, here's,
0: but my point about all this is, and everybody, and this is what we just talked about, that uh, I believe that what Jimmy Johnson would do. You remember when Jimmy would always cut his third-round draft pick every year, it seemed like? Yeah. You know, and, and I think that uh, – and that's a pretty high pick. And, and I always thought, even back then, that the genius of Jimmy was – I want players. Okay, are you playing or not? I, I'm not. I don't care what your pedigree is. I don't care what your history is. I don't care about any of that. Are you playing now? And to me, that sent. Not only did you end up with the best players, but you sent a message to the rest of the team. Uh, I don't know what message they're sending with with Des Bryant playing like he's playing now. Uh, at, at the end producing of this year, like he's producing. producing like he's producing now. And to the to the larger point is this. He's going to count $14 made against the cap if you don't get him to take a pay cut next year. That's a lot of money. Uh the money you, you need to be spending on people like DeMarcus Lawrence, uh you know, David Irving, you know, if, if someone makes him an offer, which I'm sure they will, uh you, you know, you've got people that you have to re-sign and you're invested in Dak Prescott. You we can talk about the fact that they can't find another uh, number one receiver. Where are they going to find another quarterback? Right. And and so this is Clearly, there's no connection between the two guys. None. None. I, I've seen two years of this now.
1: It's not going anywhere. It's there, going there's, backwards. There's no rapport there. I, no. I, I don't know what whether you whether the word is connection, rapport, chemistry. David, do you have a word that you would use?
3: I'll use all three of those. And I believe I have, and uh, describing what they do not have right. chemistry. You can throw that out as well. Yeah. Uh, but but it's just evidently me, okay, not there. I, you know, I think a big part of this too is, I mean, you know, Kevin's right. Look, when you look at it, I, I think that, I think Dez is going to be like the third highest paid receiver in the league last year. Uh, his his production is clearly not commensurate with that. So you have to bring that in line, or you have to address it in some way, shape, or form. Um, and you know, the thing is, look, Dez may not Dez is not an elite receiver. I still think he's a lead receiver. On a mediocre offense and on an outstanding offense he's probably going to be your second receiver but temperamentally can he accept that second receiver role right. and this is the exactly. other thing they have to work through as well and if you put him in that role and it's clear he's in that role is his production even worse because look you know if, if you saw uh, his his Mia culpa at the end of this season it was oh well I let things get to me. I let the system get to me. I let this get, you know, yeah, I made more mistakes, but I let all this twirling around me get to me. Well, you know, I'm tired of, of other people always talking about, oh, Dez is more mature this year. Uh, Dez isn't more mature. He Or he would have been able to handle this season better than he did. He would have handled last year differently when he had a knee injury and didn't show up at the star for two days because he assumed the worst when it turned out he was only going to miss two or three games. Um, You know, some people just don't have, some people want to be uh, the focal point or the the leader of a unit, but don't have the temperament to do so. And and it's very clear Des does not. And they've always, they've done a good job, I think, by and large, up to this point, of allowing him to carve his, like, separate but equal sort of universe within the, the scheme of things without it disrupting. Uh, how everything works. But I think that's going to be harder to do going forward than it's been in the past because uh, of his declining skills. And, look, what, one of his best skills was you, you keep always hearing about how, well, he makes plays at the top. You know, he makes these uh, contested catches that, that other receivers don't. And, you know, at one point, if you threw a de- dead a contested ball, he was probably winning 70, maybe 75% of those confrontations. Now what? It may be down to 45%. That's a pretty significant drop. And at this stage, physically, can you expect him to stop, start winning those matchups again when we haven't really seen that be the case over the last two to three seasons? No. So then you look at, okay, what other aspects of his game has he gotten better? And to me, Dez is the classic. And and, and there are other athletes in other sports that do this, too, that, it's not it's not a question of them not practicing and not caring and not working hard. Uh, they do all of that, but do they work on the things that they don't do well in order to get better?
0: work on your craft you know,
3: some players yeah some players so need to be dominant in every setting that even in practice they won't allow themselves to be vulnerable and work on the things they don't do well because they don't want to be exposed in practice or give uh their teammates like a you know a leg up in that competition da- david david do- kind of falls into that category uh has he really worked to refine his route running something that is not his strength right. no it's like this is what i do i'm going to keep working on this i'm going to do it even better and then when that starts to decline you don't have anywhere else to turn and the decline is more obvious
2: david uh i was trying to interrupt you to give you a compliment but now I'm not sure I'm going to give you that compliment because you wouldn't allow me to interrupt you. Wow. But but that was probably the most cogent, uh, well, it might not be a compliment. That was probably the most cogent, analytical, dead-on thing, analysis you've ever given us uh, about Dez. That that, that was brilliant. So, in other words, let me just cut to the chase. And you wanted to interrupt? Oh, don't interpret me again. (laughs) Don't say what I meant to say.
1: Everything else has been PAP.
2: No!
0: That's right. Well, you know, one of the arguments I've read, and I'll just say from Bob Sturm, who I respect immensely. Uh, Bob could you know, run rings around me in, in, in analyzing football and recognizing things. But one of the things he said about Dez was he is sure that if Dez went someplace else or the right place, he'd be a star again and have those three years like he had in the middle of his career where he went over 1,000 yards. And and I, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, even if you think that's true, it doesn't matter. You don't keep a guy because you're afraid of what he might do someplace else. You keep a guy who is good for what you do.
1: And and I think the other thing is, if he went someplace where they focused completely on Des, he might m- well get to a thousand yards. But would would it be a, a thousand meaningful yards? But he's not going anywhere where they're going to coddle him the way that. No, they and I,
0: him. see to me, he's got to go someplace what like. He's got to play for Aaron Rodgers. He's right. got to play for a guy who's an unbelievable passer, who's, going to, who's got all the guts in the world, just like Tony Romo, right. and is going to give him that opportunity to do the
2: things he wants to do. But Aaron Rodgers moves the ball. He, he, he won't concentrate on Dez. He no. will not be the number one no. receiver. No. no, well, Jordy no, Nelson's, no, Jordy always, Nelson's
0: is always going to be the number one there. But although, And they're similar receivers in some ways, you know, uh, Jordy and, and Dez, and the fact that neither one's a great route runner but uh, but he gives him a chance to make plays but i think the the to but that's, me, that's just beyond but that's beside the point you know that's why you have to look at these things analytically you know you're you're going to pay this guy an inordinate amount of money to play a position that he doesn't play well anymore it, he has no connection with a quarterback if you're trying to get this quarterback i mean to me that's the number one goal of the offseason is get get dak back to what he looked like he was his, his rookie season and get him back to playing at an effective level because he looked lost at the end of this last year, I think it's too soon to give up on Dak.
3: And oh, for I, sure.
0: And I think if you if you really want to give him the best chance to succeed and make this Dak friendly, like they made it Romo friendly, then you need to remove these elements where he clearly is not comfortable with, and give him some weapons that he is comfortable with. So. I I can't
1: yeah. disagree with any of that. I, I and and I just feel like the the recession of of Dez's skills has has been significant. And it is at a point in time where, you know, you start to approach your 30s and you have to work harder to maintain a level. You're not going to get better, but you have to work harder to maintain your level. And I'm sorry, I just don't see it. I mean, I I looked at Dez, A.J. Green, Julio Jones as all in the same kind of class at the same point in time. And you can't tell me that he's no. anywhere near those two other guys. No, he's not. So,
3: Look, Des hasn't been an elite receiver in this league since 2014. Right. Now, the decline started with injuries. Uh, there was an the injury in 2015 and then another injury in 2016. But, there were reasons for the decline. But how often do you have a guy be an elite player in 2014 and then he pops up and he's an elite player again in 2018? Right. Right, I don't think you see. I think you, you rarely, if ever, see that at any position.
1: And, no, and, and, to, and to use the Julio Jones example, this is a guy who's playing with screws in his foot. You know, yeah. this this is a guy who Everybody's went through that hurt. same yeah. that same kind of surgery basically that does the the same injury that Des basically had, but more severe. So, so to me, you know, the question
0: about okay, okay, if you subtract Des, and now you don't have a number one because Terrence Williams isn't one, and obviously Cole Beasley's not, and, and you know, Bryce Butler's, Bryce Butler's not. not. You know, yeah, I get all that, but here's the thing. Could I replace Dez's numbers for a lot less than $14 million? Yeah, I think I could. Mm-hmm. I think I could go out and—, and Personally? You could, you could sign a—no, not personally. But you could go out and sign a free agent, probably, for $5 million Who's going to who's going to replicate those numbers. So I, I don't think that that's—to me, that's not the issue. People are looking at it like— they don't have anything about it, so they shouldn't. They shouldn't like, get rid of him. I'd just I'd like to ridiculous. jump in here
2: and thank you, you guys, for taking ten minutes to talk about Des, who you made fun of me for bringing up. Thank no, that you. was mostly
0: that was mostly Evan the made fun of you on that. Yeah. No, it
1: was completely me. <laughs> okay. um, and uh, what can I say, Barry? You wh- you took us down a rabbit hole, and we followed. We okay? followed. That's we, what we're like. We followed you down the rabbit hole, you little rascally rabbit.
0: <laughs> So, so if we're talking about uh, guys that they need to resign and need to keep, obviously DeMarcus Lawrence is one of those guys. Do you, first of all, think that uh, he will end up back with the Cowboys? Uh, will it take a tag to get him, or will
3: they pay? There's no way he's not back with the Cowboys next season. Uh, he will be back. You can't, you can't lament the lack of a pass rush for all these years after DeMarcus where leave finally find a guy and then just let him go uh that is not going to happen um and at the moment i would say the franchise tag but the franchise tag is exorbitant and they much they're going to do all they can uh to not apply the tag because of what I believe it's going to probably going to be for that position is going to be around seventeen million. Is that right? Um, wow. They'd rather get yeah. They'd rather get a long term deal so they can lower that this first year, give him more guaranteed money. But now the problem you get into is once a pa- there's such a premium on pass rushers, when they get to the market, it inflates what they're worth. Uh, Liv- you know, Olivier Vernon, you know, going to the Giants oh, last year. Kevin's uh, friend, Kevin's yeah. favorite guy. Yeah, you know, is yeah. an example. I mean. What, I think he wound up, like, what, sixty five seventy million $70 something like that? Right. Um, now, look, it's you don't get all of that money, but the, he got an exorbitant signing bonus in, in the first year guaranteed, so a significant portion of his was guaranteed. Uh, the Cowboys are really going to have to ante up on this guy. Uh, I think they will, but the economics, you know, his agent can say, well, look, $17 is a pretty good payday. It's guaranteed. Uh, let's bet on you. If you have another season, how much would you be worth on the open market next year? Now, they could franchise him again next year, but again, you don't want to keep giving those one-year, $17 uh, million contracts. Well, the Redskins uh, you, you don't want to get the guy. Yeah, that, that well, yeah, and, and, now, and now they're in a position where they can't tag him again and they don't have a long-term deal with him. Yeah. So, um, you know, you can do that. Now, and, and I can see, look, you – this is another tough one. Right after Des, I think this is the toughest one because it's. I don't put it on the same level as Des because you know that Demarcus Lawrence is going to be back. That's not the question. The question is, how important is it to you to maybe pay a little more than you want so you don't have to use the franchise tag on them and you can use that other money to do some other things this season? Uh, they're going to have to determine what that value is for them, but he, he will be back, but you know, from his side, his agent can say, look, take the $17 million. Uh, it, you know, this, what they offered you is less than what Vernon got from uh, from New York. Why would you take that? You had, you had twice as many, you know, you had what, seven more sacks than you did going into this season than he had last year when he got that contract. Just wait. So we'll see how it plays out. I, I would put that number two as far as, Uh, you know, what they need to get done in the offseason. And I put it at two, like I said, just because I know he's going to be back. Uh, It's just under what constraints. Will it be a long-term contract or will it be a franchise tag?
2: Where, where, as long as you're rating and grading, where would you put the necessity to bring Will McClay back?
3: Well, I think he is coming back. Um, I think Houston is one of the few teams that would actually – uh, holds some um, uh, a pull for him at the moment, um, and and at this stage, they they have expressed an interest. He's been cleared to talk to them, but no interview has been set up. And he has publicly said that until they contact him, he won't say whether or not he is going to stay. Uh, you know, out of respect for the process. But from from what from speaking to well in the past, from what he has said, from speaking to other people in that organization, um, I. I would be surprised if he leaves. And while he will not get the general manager's tag here because the owner carries that label and is not going to hand it over to anyone else, one, that doesn't mean he doesn't really conduct himself or have the same power as a general manager, and two, that doesn't mean he can't be paid like a general manager. So I I think there are uh, ways to compensate Will McClay where the title is really a non-issue and he continues part of this going forward and i think it's essential for him to be part of this because I, I think he's gotten the the coaching staff and the scouting department on the same page in a way his predecessors have been unable to and i think this is the biggest benefit uh... we you know i know fans are frustrated with with jason garrett and, and, and point to him and and how much success this team really had during his tenure but I think one of the greatest aspects of the, uh, are the attributes they've had from this period of continuity is Will McClay's rise and his ability to have everyone in the organization, as much as you can in any organization, kind of come to look for the same things in player evaluations and come to the same conclusions.
2: Listen,
0: all evidence to the contrary, Jerry Jones is not going to live forever. Uh and
2: But we do know he will outlive the uh three of well, us. Oh yeah, for the- sure.
0: <laughs> so so there I think there's certainly the possibility uh when Steven takes over that Stephen's will not want to be the, the general manager. I don't think he has that kind of ego. Uh, and, I, and I think that he could, you know, that that Will McClay would have to think that uh, that someday I'm in the line for the job as a general manager. A long,
2: it could be a while from now. It though.
0: could be a while from now. But like David laid out all the things that are the reasons why he might want to stay. And and certainly from the things that I've read when he said, and he's almost been emotional talking about what the Cowboys have done for him and some of his Problems that uh, his family has had off the off the you know, or his family has had. So uh, I, I get that. I, I also get I never ruled out the possibility a guy just decides, you know, hey, I'm going to make more money and I got my own title and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to take this. Uh, but I I think what David just talked about there, too, is the thing that that bothers me a little bit in sports in general is the is the continuity thing, and I, I just think it's very valuable. You know, we we were all talking about a while ago about how the oh the Cowboys they they need another quarterbacks coach. You know, is that do you really want to be putting uh, a new voice in Dak Dak Prescott's ear? Uh, you know. Isn't that what we always talk You're about? You're going
1: to be putting a new voice in Dak is, is, Well, not if it's but Kellen
0: but Moore. If it's Kellen Moore, it's a guy he already knows. He
1: knows him, but he's going to be now taking instruction. Yeah,
0: from. but he listens to him a lot. It's a guy he knows and he's comfortable with. He's, he's talked about that.
2: Is, we, we, we talk is about continuity the, of mediocrity. Something you 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 like? Uh,
0: uh, he's been there for two years, and what's his record?
2: Dak. Dak's record. He's got
0: 23 wins. Right. 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 Is that right? No, 22 wins. 22 wins. 22 wins. Now, that, that's another thing I want to ask about, as long as we're talking about coaches. David, when you found out that Zeke was going to be uh, out six games, we thought, at some point this season, what was your uh, your prediction for the Cowboys this season?
3: We talked about that last week. Well, no,
0: well, no, we did no. not. What, what did you say? I, what,
3: I still, I still thought, even with him out, that they were a team that could win 11 games.
0: Okay, and, and win the
3: division. See, I didn't think so. Uh, I, th- I
0: I said nine and seven, and they and they ended up nine and seven. You're, oh, so, here so we go. Oh, oh, Kevin. No, the, the, the <laughs> point, he, he, what he's doing? He's patting himself oh, okay. on the back now. Have you the ever seen Kevin is, the point is, that our our good friend Todd Archer used to work for us. He his reconstituted pick was nine and seven uh, after he found out about Zeke, and they ended up nine and seven. So, if they end up what you say they were going to be, how can you say that it was a disappointing season?
1: I just go back to, he, you, know, yeah. you know, that a couple of years ago, Kevin went out to OTAs and said, I think Kellen Moore is going to be a great quarterback. Situation. I did not. Well, you know,
2: say I, that. let me tell you something interesting about this as an aside, but it's not an aside. Uh, on one of the studio shows, it was the Fox Studio show uh, uh, with Jimmy Johnson and um, Terry Bracho, who's a quarterback of note once for Super Bowls. They said the most important uh, coach. For a quarterback, it's not the offensive coordinator, it's the quarterback coach. Because well, he relates to him every day. Right, right. And that's so position d- don't coach, discount he, that. But don't discount that.
1: And, and but and communication is is a huge element there. And obviously, Kellen Moore has some, but we're getting back to that. But I, I want to go where the direction you guys were going, and you talked about continuity, you talked about Steven, and you talked about Jerry. And and I know it's it's oversimplifying everything, but I, I go back to this. I look at the I look at sports today. I look at professional sports, and there are two elements of it. One, it's a big business, yeah. okay. And Jerry Jones is really good at the big business aspect of right. it. Right, he's great at it. He is. He's n- the the statistical analysis, data driven decision making process that most teams, most championship teams in sports have turned to, I believe that this Cowboys hierarchy is still behind the curve. and I, you, I, I don't know what they're using. I, uh, here, here's the bottom line. Unless Jerry has adopted it, they're behind the curve. Because Jerry's the ultimate decision maker. I think he's less of a I decision maker than he used
3: Jerry to be. Adopted it. Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone below Jerry has adopted it uh, up through Stephen. Now, again, and this is This has always been my claim on, and and we're talking about the general manager's job here, and and look, we left a very important person out. Really, Stephen Jones is the general manager day-to-day. So if you you said make Will McClay general manager, you're in essence saying remove duties from Jerry and Stephen because Stephen's really the day-to-day general manager. Jerry is the overarching general manager who can insert himself into the process at any time and say, no, I want this. And that is where this comes in. That is where you still have a random element to the decision-making uh, at the star, because I believe that Jerry <laughs> defers 90% of the time, yeah. even and Will and others in the organization. But you don't have a true, pure system in place, because 10% of the time, Jerry will go, okay, well, you know what, I've let you make all these other decisions, but I'm just adamantly opposed on this. I think this is what we should do. And if he says that, that is what you do. And so even though you have a system and a process in place that everyone follows, and you use it, 99 out of every ten decisions, that tenth decision, when you don't use it, it can be on a big one. And, And it can really change the whole feel and perception that you have a system in place and you follow a process. And well, so that's, that's the continuity you thing too. always the, have that with yeah. You will always have that with Jerry Jones. Always.
0: Right. That's a little bit of the, the old Nolan Ryan, John Daniels argument correct. was that that Nolan wanted to have say on things and uh, he wasn't around enough. I don't believe to make those kind of decisions. Uh, and uh, and yet if he's You know, if you say, well, they make a couple of them, it's the same thing. He's making a couple of decisions. Well, how many should he make, you know? So, listen, and we... Yeah,
3: I only made one decision last year, but it was Hugh Darvish.
0: Yeah, right. It's
3: a pretty big decision. Yes, absolutely.
0: So, uh, but the thing, here's the thing, and and that's why we all want to dump on Jason Garrett. You know, the one thing that's never going to change with the Cowboys until until he leaves this immortal coil is... Jerry Jones, right. he's gonna, he's just still gonna be there. So there's no use even arguing about it.
1: I, I know there's no use arguing about it, but I think from time to time it just, it, it, oh, you gotta it, remind bears, everybody. Yeah, it, it bears being stated because we we continue to move to an era of sports decision making as a science and yeah. not as a feel, not as a right. gut, not as is is what the past taught us. Evan, yeah.
2: Did you like those three Super Bowls? Yeah, I loved them. Okay. That's 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 all. That's all you're gonna say. That's
0: my defense. (laughs) Well, you know, something I was thinking about this morning about Jimmy Johnson. The the one thing that 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 Jerry could have done uh, as because everybody always, I don't, I think people have finally realized that this was not the case anymore. That that he did not fire Jimmy. Jimmy fired himself. Jimmy was ready to go. He orchestrated the entire thing. But if if Jerry had been smart, though, what he could could have done and should have done is gone to Jimmy and make this work. And of course, he wasn't willing to do that. Right. Uh, that that was the mistake that Jerry made was not going to Jimmy and say, "What can I do with you to make this thing work?" Not that he fired
1: him, Jerry. You know, Jimmy fired himself. He was ready to go. On that note, yeah. All right, David, it, it's been a pleasure talking to you today. Um,
3: now you're firing me now. Yeah. Well, we're letting all the moors go.
1: <laughs> no, you're 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 welcome to come back and join us for the same. All the
3: moors welcome, and I'm not. Yeah.
1: Bad. That's right. No, you're, you you are always welcome here on Ballsy for for the same um, compensation that you will always get. <laughs> you're our favorite mascot. Laurel and Hardy handshake.
2: <laughs> well, is is that why is that why when I texted you yesterday and asked you to be on Ballsy, you totally ignored my first text and made me text you again? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's pull
1: back the curtain. <laughs> I like that response. That was good. Barry is just good. Barry's just like the text police. He, you know, if he doesn't he, he, <laughs> Somebody's got to do it here. I know he is. Kevin, we asked. Kev-
2: I asked Kevin yesterday. He said, "I'm driving." I was driving to and from. Oh, you me. asked it Kevin. A, it was
0: a very, <laughs> very responsible. Yeah, very it was a very stressful day. You text and drive. Can you believe like that, David?
3: It's illegal.
0: They were telling me, "Oh, you couldn't make any calls and make any texts." I'm driving a
1: a. a you, but you had oh, time to text me, back while you were driving. driving. You text uh, hang on. Time out. Driving a semi across
3: country.
0: Yeah. Let's
1: let's um let's just pull back the curtain a little bit on Balsy here before we sign off yes kevin could not make any phone calls yesterday because times have gotten so tough here at Balsy that he was working his second job <laughs> as a furniture delivery man
0: oh, to I was, houston i was to helping, houston. actually to you couldn't even, city even you couldn't Where? even get Missouri like a city. local route no it was and let me tell you something it was a little nerve-wracking to think that um, I'm, I'm helping out my son Ford here deliver yeah, some sure furniture for, for some little side money. And let me tell you something. It's a little nerve-wracking, that, that bedroom furniture in the back of this pickup truck. And, and we're taking this from Dallas to Houston.
2: Did you, was there insurance? Did you, did you insure the furniture? Oh, no. Are you kidding? No. We barely even had it tied down. Did the
0: mattress fly out? No, There was no mattress. Although we were at one point behind a car on a freeway like a Chevy Cruze, which is about as big as this table. It had two mattresses tied to the top. Of the of that thing, I told Ford, let Let's get around this guy did, before. Did you stop blows at Bucky's? Up. We did. We drove right past. Oh. Him. We thought about it. Oh, we were in a,
1: we were in a big hurry
0: though. We had to get to good company. Kevin, can uh, David? Can you two.
1: can you give that sound one more time?
2: Oh, <laughs> he. David. I think I think he gave that 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 many times this cowboy football season. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Watching yes. this team. Run. So uh, David
1: we'll, we, Benjamin we will. Benjamin is hovering um,
2: over us. We got to go.
1: We will have you on again soon to talk about the Cowboys. And um, we'll want, the next time we have you on, we'll want to talk about the pressing issue of what will the Cowboys do with Des Bryant. <laughs> hey, you, you, can you, you can make fun of that all you want, Evan Grant. We got another 15
2: minutes. I couldn't get you off the topic once, once you derided me for bringing it up. Because next week, you know what? We're going to have tens of thousands of new listeners next week, and I think we should bring it up. I'm bringing you in to my next contract negotiation.
1: You are, Barry. You know what? You are a very stable genius. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from <laughs> you, Evan, that means a lot. David, enjoy some. I yeah. hope you get a couple of days off here.
3: Um, Define a couple of days. One, two. <laughs> yeah, we'll
1: see. All right. All right, David. There he goes, David Moore. He's out of <laughs> here.
2: David Moore, I think we should reveal, is taller than Kellen Moore, I believe. No. David Moore's not taller than anybody. <laughs> Maybe Kirk Bowles. Wow. I ch- wanted to have Kirk Bowles on today because I wanted I, uh, really? let me ask you this question. Yeah. This has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. Yeah. How close did, did Texas ever really come close to hiring Nick Saban? Uh I wouldn't say close. There were there were
0: there were discussions. You know, and uh I think before
2: Charlie strong the Charlie
0: oh, absolutely, yeah, about the money, you know and I think that there from what I understand, there was talk that they they were prepared to offer him ten million um so uh and i and I think it, i it's an interesting uh, thought as to whether uh Nick would have taken that um and come to Texas. I really don't think so, because I think he knew I was, I'm going to be able to get whatever money I want from Alabama. And I've got this program all in place. I'm in my. How old is Nick now? 60, 64, I think. I was going to. Say Evan, 65. you would have chipped in
2: to get uh, Nick Saban to go to Austin, wouldn't you? Maybe then, Oklahoma, maybe then Georgia
1: would be the national champions. But we're not any closer to, to UT one in uh, uh No, if or, Nick, Saban, or, Nick Saban is now sixty six, yeah. if Nick Saban had gone to UT at that point in time, Kirby Smart probably would have ended up as the head coach at Alabama. So. Correct. Um, I, I'm quite content with the way things worked out. Look, I, to go back to what we started to talk about earliest, uh, in this podcast, in the first podcast today, I, I think we are now talking about is Nick Saban, the greatest football college football coach ever. And it's no longer about, is he on the Mount Rushmore? He's on the Mount Rushmore. No.
0: Um, I, I don't. I just don't see how you, you can say he's not. I mean, you could say. That's why I brought up. The, you know, you have to have a point of a counterpoint. Is is the system, what? you know, enabling him the opportunity to keep repeating himself? I just think that if you ask any coach in America who the best coach is, they'd all say well, he'd be a unanimous one. Well, by by show
2: of hands in here, who thinks he's the, he's the uh, greatest college football coach there's ever been?
1: Yeah, I do. I'm I'm going to vote for it at okay, this. Okay, so it's three. Um, three,
2: yeah. three
1: zip. I, I, you know, I think that there's always different challenges from different eras. Um, certainly the challenge now is you have smaller recruiting classes, right? Uh, but the challenge, you know, when Bear Bryant was recruiting, it wasn't like there was a whole lot of data for him to uh, review and film for him to review and, and and all of that kind of stuff, and and they were going off a little bit more of a of an oral.
3: Also, going to mostly white players. There you go for most of his career. That, that's
1: a good point too.
0: Um, uh, yeah, I mean, let's, but yeah. So, what would that? What would that Rushmore be? Oh, that'd be hard to. to oh. That would be a lot harder. That that to me that shows you how far ahead Nick is. I mean, I I, I think he's it, it, it's Saban and Bear, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. And then who? because well,
0: because now how many how many national championships does does Alabama have?
1: Uh, is it is it fourteen? I don't. Uh 12? Where's Rudy Bush? Yeah, uh, um, it, it's twelve. Because I
0: thought that Bear won nine. Am I am I am I crazy to say that Six. Uh, six. 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 Is that it? Six.
2: Okay. We have a man here.
0: With, we have uh, Jose here. Is, is, is a photographic a, memory. So
1: all right. So would would uh, one of the Notre Dame coaches make it?
0: Are you talking about? Well, let like, me ask you this: like Newt Rockney or Rockney or, or Eric Eric, Parsegan. Parsegan. Yeah.
2: Would Joe Paterno make it? Ooh.
0: No, because right. here's, here's the thing. Huh. Uh, look, it depends what you're asking for a college coach. You know, right. listen. But before the scandal and everything that happened at Penn State. You certainly would say that Joe Paterno was one of the greatest football coaches right. ever, not because he'd won so many national championships. He did win, uh, but he didn't pile them up. Right. But then the thing is, you say, but but look what look who he is and look what he's done right. with these guys, and it's look just, how long he's been there. It's a quality program and quality kids, and he does such a great job. Well, I
1: mean, for the same reason, you, we, I, I don't know that we'd consider Woody Hayes the same way that we once did. Right. No. You know, I mean, but would, no. would, he, would would we consider friend of the ballsy podcast
2: Barry Switzer?
1: No, no. No. Would we
2: consider Tom Osborne?
0: Uh, you know, because here's the thing: you look at Nebraska. What's Nebraska done since Tom Osborne? Right. Not very much, right? You know, uh,
1: you don't consider Switzer though.
0: No, why? I love Switzer. I mean, he's a great guy. He's a, he's he's well, a, he's a little bit like the guy Lewis, but but of, he no, but football. he was a step ahead on so recruiting. Then, you, oh, no, no, he, he yeah, he was he recruited black players long before a right. lot of other place people did. And, uh, I think which I makes him something record. of a pioneer. Well, sure. sure. We, this area of the country. I, I give. I give. But, would you
1: consider Bud Wilkinson more over than Switzer? Uh, well, Bud dominated.
0: Right. Now, Barry didn't dominate. Right. Bud dominated the fifties. Different era. A different era. Uh. Yeah. So, but you know, he, I guess my my point would be. Can you take any of these coaches and set up, plop them down in any era and how would they succeed? Right. I think that Nick Saban would succeed in any era. Yeah. I think he if you because I think it's more difficult now. Because of the scholarship I, limitations, it just it's just harder to be consistently good every year. And he just is. Right. I mean, it's just it's amazing what he's been able to do. He has locked it down. And I know we, in our house, we make fun of, of Nick. So everybody in the, in, the, in the house watching the game last night is for Georgia because everybody in my house hates Nick Saban. I thought it was but
2: if it. he became the coach at Arkansas tomorrow, what would the feeling be? Oh, they'd be all for that they'd be all for that
1: well, yeah, right. I exactly thought right. wait a minute time out. I thought you guys were all for Georgia because you love me so
0: well, that was part of it too i i my actual quote was i'm gonna i I picked Alabama, so I'd like to get my picks right but uh i am I'm, I'm gonna be for Georgia because of my good buddy Evan. It would make him feel good. At
2: you the know way. I was rooting for Alabama only because I thought everybody else in the world was rooting for georgia that's how i that's how I roll. I was Outside. surprised when they said it was only sixty forty uh
0: in the in the place.
1: Well, that's and that's weird. At the beginning of the game, they said seventy thirty, and oh, I, I had did. a couple of texts from people on the air. Rudy Bush, how many uh, national championships does Alabama have now? Weave. Uh, weave? I, said uh, well, I believe. Did you say weave? He said I
0: believe. You're a
1: mobile guy. Believe. What is, the, is it is it twelve? Is that right? You tell me. Twelve. Now, are there some disputed ones in there too? Yeah, we don't count those. Mm-hmm. Rudy Bush is our, politi- our, our political our, editor. our yeah. political editor. And an Alabama fan, and we exchanged some tweets last night, semi civil. I didn't know that you were a Georgia fan when <laughs> oh you uh,
2: first sent that out. I, I don't know
1: how that escaped me. I'm a huge Georgia fan. I'm just huge in everything that I do, basically, because yeah. of my latent fatness. Girth. Um, anyway. Be-
0: Congratulations, Rudy. The the point is is that, that that what he is doing now is just I mean I, I thought there was a chance you could say maybe Urban Meyer really is who's who's really better no. is, is it him or Urban and I think that this year proved that was the, Ohio State's the biggest bunch of underachievers in America right? for them not to for them to lose two games was just phenomenal to me and,
1: and let's. Uh, so we go back now, right? We go back over the last couple of years, and the things that have kept Alabama from winning more national championships were one point loss last year mm-hmm. on the last play of the game, yes, and a kick six, yeah, yes, yeah. Right? They didn't win the, that year. No, that was the year Auburn ended up winning. Yes. Right? Yes, that's correct. So, I mean, there's two other national championships that were basically in his grass. Yeah. The the there is. I. I there is a benchmark, a, a he sets a very high bar that nobody's really been able to compete
0: with. Yeah, and, and and now he gets to be Nick Saban, you know, a jerk, you know, yelling at players, doing crazy things, and and he gets away with it now because
1: if you want to win a national championship, that's where you go. Right, and the only thing I was disappointed with was last night. You know, I look the gutsy call of, of switching quarterbacks was huge. I don't think that there's been enough attention paid to uh, number 48 Brown taking a swipe at at a Georgia player and going after a coach on the sideline and then being allowed to come back into the game and and play and make a big play. I mean, he he really kind of lost his stuff. That was the one thing that I thought was a little bit disappointing. He had to get a little a little dig, a little dig there,
0: wasn't it? A little dig. There was a, a couple dig. of there was a couple of swipes in that game. Yeah. I was surprised that, that Nick didn't say more to those. But guys I, but
1: I'll that. tell you what, those sidelines were well policed. If anybody stepped outside of the sideline boxes, boy, the officials were right they on. They were open. right
0: on it a couple of times. You got those warnings.
1: Evan couldn't contain himself. There's all, all right. kinds
0: of people in here for the podcast. Before
1: I start sounding like bitter Georgia guy, we better go. Um. It's been a great couple of podcasts this morning. We're gonna get on out of here. Uh, we will be back with uh, Rangers uh, either next week or the week after. Really? Um, yeah. Who who you got coming in? Don't you worry about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that means he doesn't have anybody right now, but he's I, I, I he's working it. on it. Working on it. Yeah, got
1: it. Are you familiar with a guy by the name of Clayton Kershaw? <laughs> <laughs> oh, to talk about the Rangers. <laughs> no, I just asked if you were familiar with Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> He's a kid from Dallas, Highland Park. Oh no! Oh hey, no!
0: Hey. He's from Highland Park. Hey, I, I'm sorry that we can't. Maybe I'll, I'll tweet this out. You know, our friend. We brought this up about uh, my brother-in-law and the, and the friendship with Sandy Koufax. Oh, the Sandy yes. Koufax. Yes. Well, look,
2: that's one of the great stories of all time. Although every time you tell that We've story, about that. I, I have,
1: I have, uh, I have uh, visual uh, evidence. Well, let's get let's Sandy on, on iPhone. Phone. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll show it to you. All right. Okay. we got to get out of here. Rudy's about to go on TV. Okay, bye. bye. Bye, everybody.
2: Thanks for listening to the Cowboys
1: Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.